is laid to rest, four days dead, laid into a tomb in the city of Bethany. Jesus is called, and he stands at the edge of that tomb, and he cries out, Lazarus, come forth. That's not supposed to happen. That's a box a man's not supposed to leave. Another man, he's blind from birth. Jesus reaches into the dirt, spits, makes mud, places in his eye, tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. The man comes returning well, seen perfectly. These things aren't supposed to happen. These things are supposed to be left in the box. God has a way of not staying in boxes. Come on, somebody. A woman, she has a son. She's supposed to make a little cake and eat it, and then she and her son are going to die. But the prophet, in all his audacity, asks her to do something that's outside the box. Make a cake for me first. And she does that. And upon doing so, her supply, her box never ran dry. Her meal and her oil was more than enough throughout the whole famine that she was experiencing. God will not stay in a box. Oh, yes, somebody. Three Hebrew children put into a fiery furnace because of their worship of the Lord. They're placed in a box, and the box is caused to go higher and higher in the heat. But there's a man that shows up in the midst. The man looks like the Son of God. The fourth man in the fire was Jesus. God won't stay in a box. Party time, excellent. It was awesome. And check this, one last one. In an upper room, in an upper room, there's 120 people in that box, in that upper room. And all of a sudden, those 120 people waiting on something from God, and the sound of a mighty rushing wind became visible and evident, and the power of God fell upon them. Why? Because God won't stay. Everybody say, in a box. Praise the Lord. Amen. Yeah. All right. Amen. Well, that was fun. Praise the Lord. And I didn't lose any appendages. Hallelujah. (laughs) I was a little. I told my wife this morning, I said, I don't know if I should tell you the illustration or not, but I need your prayer covering. And so she's, I think, wish I wouldn't have told her. No, God is so good. But here's the thing about that, all right? Wouldn't it have been foolish if your pastor would have preached that whole sermon sitting in that box? From start to finish, and you're just hearing my, where in the world is? It would have been foolish if I would have preached the whole sermon inside the box. It makes no sense to function inside a box. I was telling Jeff Noble in the first service, I said, you know, Jeff, Jim, you build. I'll I'll use you. Jim, you've built things before. Could you imagine having a box with a hole in the bottom of it, and you're building a deck, and you just pick the box up, and you move it over, and you set it down, and I'm going to build on the deck. This is what I'm doing. And I pick my box up. I move a little further, and I keep, it would be a limitation that would keep you from being the best that you could be, from doing all that you should be able to do. There is no sense in functioning Everybody say, inside a box. So why is it then, when it comes to the church, we often put God in a box? I like that. Well, got to love Dell over there. That's awesome. Why is it that we do that? 
It's just as misguided for me to preach the whole sermon in there as it is to put limitations on God. God is anything but predictable. And he will blow your mind if you'll let him. There's some young people in here today. I see young people over here. God wants to blow your mind with his presence. He wants to touch you <coughs> in such a significant way that nothing in this world could ever steal your taste. Because you've got a taste from God, of God, and from God, for God. Amen? That's what happened in my life when I was about 13 years old. A touch from God, not my salvation, but an experience that I had in the presence of God that messed my taste up. And my taste came for something that would be outside of the box, if you will. Something that, God, you're awesome, you're powerful, you're wonderful. I won't be satisfied if I'm not moving in all that you are and who you are and what you can do. And that's been a pretty good thing for the most of my life that's kept me moving and growing and seeking God. And so if he's not predictable, we can look in the book of Acts, especially we can look in the Bible. We looked at a few neat, powerful stories there. I just said briefly what God, the things he can do that are supernatural and powerful. When it comes down to it, what would happen if what happens in here happens in here? Isn't that awesome? What would happen if what we saw in the book of Acts happens in here? More importantly, what would happen in the book if what happens in there happens, everybody tap yourself, in here? Jesus, do something in here. In my heart, in my life, touch me with all that you have. I won't put you in a box. Do something inside of my life. And so I want to ask you at the beginning of the service to prepare your hearts. Even now, just to invite God to break into your life today with his presence and his power. Amen? To break into our conversation today with all that he is, his authority, his power, his ability. Because frankly, who cares if we have church if he doesn't show up? Who cares if we come into this place and he doesn't fill us? Amen? You know, and the thing about this is, I've been saying this, who cares if we have another service, or, or I used to say that, and we don't reach people. And then last week I told you how the Lord's been transitioning that in my heart to where I've been saying, who cares if we get a bigger box if those who are in the box are empty? You know, look at this room, this is full, first service was just as full, you know? But who cares if we, through the Beyond the Box campaign, build a 500-seat sanctuary out here, we're going to do that. Last week, if you missed the last two weeks, I said that we're raising money on Palm Sunday. Bring the biggest offering you can bring and bring a pledge to give from April to the following March, what you can sacrificially give. We're going to raise $250,000. We're going to build a box over there. But God forbid we go into the box and we're empty. Amen? There's enough boxes in America that are filled with empty folk, you know? Now, we want to invite empty people in here. I was empty. You were empty. Many of you were so empty before you came in this place. And it wasn't momentum that touched you. It was Jesus that touched you. But time and time again, we hear people say, there's something different. There's something special. There's something unique. That something is the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of God. It's Jesus. And he is seen. Not craziness and not weirdness, although that can happen, but that's not the focus. It's, everybody say, Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And so, yes, we're raising money, bring money. That's all I want to talk about, okay, with that. You know, beyond the box, it's awesome. We'll have a bigger box, but can we focus this year not worried so much about the money? Can we focus this year worried more about God? Help me to grow. God, help 
do something in me so I'm not empty. I want to develop. I want to grow. I want to be empowered by you. We'll have nothing to offer in that box if we, the church, aren't full. Amen? And God forbid we have a full box but empty lives. Amen? And so God's doing awesome stuff. But we've named this series Beyond the Box not because of the offering that we're doing that will allow us to keep moving and doing ministry outside the four walls of this place. We're calling this series that because we are like boxes that the Holy Spirit dwells in. And God wants to not just dwell in, he wants to dwell in and through and over and above and and, and move in and out of our lives. And and God forbid we squelch that and just keep him deep down on the inside and that's as far as it ever gets. But Ross, are you saying that there's something more for me than just my salvation? Yes. Now listen, don't check out just yet. When I say that, there's something more than just salvation. There's nothing more that you need when it comes to salvation to get to heaven. Amen? It's a gift from God. There's nothing you can earn. There's no amount of seeking you have to seek. There's just a reflection and an understanding that I'm lost and undone in my sin, captivated by my sin. And I need to repent and ask forgiveness of my sin and recognize that he is Lord of lords. And when I do that, guess what? The gift of salvation comes to me and I have a ticket to heaven. Amen? There's not one thing I have to do more to get to heaven. But the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promises, and it may be a little bit outside the box of your understanding, but we're going to talk about it today, is not something that's a ticket to heaven. It's something that it's a pathway for you to be able to succeed in the earth. You won't need the power of the Holy Spirit when you get to heaven. Amen? In the soon and coming soon, you need it, like my dad would say, in the rough now and now, you know? And the Holy Spirit is for the church. He's come to represent God in us and to fill us with his power and his ability that we might have strength on our way to heaven. And so that's what we're looking at today. And so if you would, let's stand to honor God's word this morning. This is the last thing that Jesus had said to his disciples. Last things are really important, especially when Jesus is saying them, right? And so it's the last thing that is said to his disciples Before he ascends, and it concerned the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we've got to understand if it's important to Jesus, it needs to be important to us. And here's what it says in Acts chapter 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. That's the book of Luke. Luke is writing this, okay? Dr. Luke is writing this. And so he already gave them a gospel, the book of Luke or the gospel of Luke. And now he's writing a follow-up. And this is kind of the movement of what God does in the church. So it's first what Jesus has done. And now it's the acts of the apostles. It's what Jesus, through the personal Holy Spirit, is going to do through those who believe. How many believers do I have in the room today? Has it changed in 2,000 years? And I know he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Is that good? And you're like, come on, Ross, read so we can sit. Okay. (laughs) Until the day when he is taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his sufferings by many proofs, appearing to them during the 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So after his resurrection, he's spending 40 days teaching the things of the kingdom to these disciples. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Say wait. For the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? 
And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed upon his own authority. I love this. Is this the end, Jesus? Are you going to start everything over? And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. This is not the end. This is the beginning. This is something awesome. Hold on. Something's going to happen. And here's what he says, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power. Everybody say power. power. Man, you're as weak as the first service. I need to hear you say power. power. Let's say it like the old timers. Power! power. That, that was pretty good. That, that was awesome right there. <laughs> you know, you can scream and don't bring Jesus any quicker, you know. <laughs> we kind of think that. You can ask in a still small voice and he'll show up just as sweet. Amen? But it's fun to say. Let's say it one more time. Power! So power will come upon you to be a witness. That's what it's all about, so that we can be a witness. Let's pray. Father, right now, we have a lot of ground to cover today. And Lord God, more important than that, we want you to be seen in your word. But God, we also want to be seen, you see, seen in the demonstration of your power and your presence. And so, God, this is your service. It's not ours, God. It's your service. Show up in this house in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and give somebody five while you go sit down. Everybody, nobody did that. I've been wanting to do that for a long time. The first time I ever said it in my whole ministry, give somebody five, and everybody just went. <laughs> I never said that. I hear preachers say it all the time. It don't work. I'll say it again. Give someone five. No, I meant a $5 bill is what I meant. And I was going to have you give that to the building fund. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> all right. <laughs> So we read this passage of scripture, and the promise is what's going to be fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. And as I was looking at this, the Lord really gave me a neat, neat thought on this whole thing. And some of you don't realize what Pentecost is. So I'm going to give you an understanding of what Pentecost is. Pentecost, okay, how many sort of Pentecostals? Okay, uh, we'll get to there, okay? But the actual historical idea of Pentecost happens 50 days. Really, it's 49 days after Passover. So 49 days plus Passover equals 50. It's called Shavuot in the Hebrew calendar. And it's right at the end of the culmination of the Feast of Weeks, okay? So you have the Feast of Weeks that culminates in this Shavuot, this experience that we call Pentecost. The Hellenized Jews of the time, they're the ones that said Pentecost because Pente is 50, and it's 50 days after Passover. If you include the day of Passover. Now here's where it gets really exciting. Guess what it's a celebration of in the Jewish calendar? It's a celebration of the giving of the law. So here's what happens, okay? Passover celebrates leaving Egypt, the Exodus, and the way historians in that culture, in the Jewish culture say, 49 days go by, and at the end of that 49 days, Moses comes out of Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments, and on that 50 day, that Shavuot, that day, it's a celebration of the law being given to the people of Israel. Isn't that awesome? What do they do with those two tablets? They take the two tablets, and this is what the Lord showed me this week. I love this. They take the two tablets, and they take them, and they place them in something called the Ark, as we know it, of the Covenant. How many have seen, Lord, or, not, or what's it called, the, the, the Raiders of the Lost Ark? You, okay, you saw it. All right, the Ark of the Covenant, all right? They would say it is the Iran Habarit, okay, the Iran Habarit, which is basically more accurately spoken, not just the Ark of the Covenant, it's the Ark of, say this, say testimony. This is where it gets good. This is what the Lord showed me. I love this, okay? So the Ark of Testimony, this is groovy. I, I say groovy. 
All right, so, like that. so the law is given. They place the law with a few other items into the Ark of Testimony, into the Aram Baharit, okay? Now that becomes something of a point of testimony to the nations around. Everybody wants the Ark of the Covenant. They still do, right? And so that becomes a point of testimony of God's abiding presence, a point of testimony of God's power, of God's law, of God's uh, initiation into the life of these people that are special and chosen by him. And wherever they go, they take it with them. It's good to take the Holy Spirit with you. Come on. And so wherever they go, it goes with them. They place the ark into the Holy of Holies, and it's a symbol of the resting, abiding presence of God. But what is inside the ark? The what? The law is inside the ark. You guys ready for this? This is what's so cool. On the day of Pentecost, the power of the Holy Spirit comes on the same day that they're celebrating the law that was placed on tablets and placed into the Aran Habarit. And now on the day of Pentecost, there is a move of the Holy Spirit that no longer is the law written on tablets, but it's written upon the hearts of God's people. Is that cool? So it's written on the hearts of God's people. And are you ready for this? This gets even better. It's not just that it's on our hearts. That means it's within us, right? So that means that in a sense, every single one of you in here, you are an Aran Habarit. You are arcs of testimony. Isn't that cool? Jesus is seen in the box of you life, if you'll let him out, if you'll let him live beyond that box, if you won't suppress and you won't push down, God moves in and through you. It's powerful. And if you remember right, on that day, and we'll get to it here in a little bit, that Acts chapter 1 verse 8, and when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be what? Witnesses. What is a witness? It's one who gives testimony to the things of God, right? So at one time there was an ark of a covenant, and there was actual physical things placed in the ark, and that gave testimony to the faithfulness of God, you see? But now the power of the Holy Spirit at work in his people, and the law written on our hearts, and the Holy Spirit moving in and through us, it will be a witness to Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. This touch of God that comes upon you so powerfully, that changes you to a degree that literally his expression is lived in and out of you. Man, you are Arks of Covenant. That's crazy, isn't it? I love it. And if you don't like it, I don't care. <laughs> it got me excited. And so when it comes to this idea of Scripture where Jesus is calling his disciples to go seek, the rest of the book of Acts is all about God showing up. It's all about God making testimony of himself in and through his followers. That's what it's about. And so we need God to show up, right? I said, we need him to show up, right? And so when it comes down to this idea of God showing up, he had a desire for his disciples to be touched in a significant way. These are men that walked with him for three, three and a half years of his ministry. And he's saying, go wait in the city for the power of God to come upon you. Go wait. I'm going to touch you with something that's going to allow you to be a witness. An endowment of powers coming upon you. So if Jesus believed that his own disciples needed an encounter with the Holy Spirit to do what they were called to do, who are we to think we need anything less, right? Who are we to think that we would need to be less dependent on the Holy Spirit than those who walked and talked and lived with Jesus? I want to be a church that is dependent upon the Holy Spirit. 
I want to be a church, a house that rests upon his leading and his moving and his stirring. I want to be a church like that, marked by dependency upon the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's what I want. I want us to be that. To let him out of the box, God, we're not going to hold anything back from you. Lord, mark us with our dependence upon you. I want people to look at us and say, man, they really are not that impressive. The box isn't all that great. Is that good? I'm serious. No matter how big this gets, I, they're not that impressive, but their God sure is. The way Jesus moves through the power of the Holy Spirit in and through their lives sure is. I'm not talking about extremes. How many have been on this side of this? How many of you have been around Pentecost before? Okay, and we can get really, really crazy over here. Not people that just celebrate the 50 days after Passover. I mean, people that celebrate Pentecostalism, right? And we can get crazy over here. And so, oh, I know what they're telling me. See, I did it. They're laughing at me back there. They say, you always camp out in the dark. We need more lights. Okay. So they're like going like this. It's the tech deck shuffle. Everybody, let's do it together. Tech deck shuffle. It's like, you know, all right. So, <laughs> um, where was that? Oh, man. Pentecost. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, there's far extremes over here. <laughs> man. If it was Hanukkah, it would be Feast of Lights, and I'd have more light. No, I'm teasing. Okay, I'm kidding. Okay, so here's the thing. There's far extremes over here that we've seen abuses, and I as a child saw abuses, you know, and so what we do is we push away from the abuses, and we go clear over here. How many of you have been a part of churches where it is so rigid and formal, and that, that you're, man, Jesus may not even be invited in there, you know, let alone the Holy Spirit, you know? So we've had that, right, you know? And so we want to be a place where God moves, you know? And there's bounce, and it's fresh, and it's refreshing. And, 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 you know, and I've seen abuses of this, you know? I have. Over the next couple weeks, the next two weeks, next week we're looking at the fruit of the Holy Spirit because that's God's character at work in us, and you need to understand what that looks like. And then the week after that, we're looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That is the power of God at work in us, and he wants his character and his power represented in the world, right? It's neat. There's nine fruit, portions of the fruit of the Spirit. There's nine Gifts of the Spirit, right? Sounds like things are supposed to stay in balance. But many of us have seen this push so far over this way that it's not in balance. I'm going to be honest. I remember as a kid being with a guy who, in the middle of the church service, Joe, buddy, he would look, he, he, and I, I agree this can happen. But he goes, you know what? God has a word for you, and he speaks a word over Joe's life. And Joe's weeping under the power of the word of God because the word is true, and the Holy Spirit knows that Joe needs that message, even if the pastor was corrupt, okay? But the, with that, he's speaking the word of God. God did use an ass once. Remember that? To deliver a message? Okay. That's contextually right. Don't get upset with me, Okay. And so with that, that message went forth. Later that night, we went out to dinner with the pastors and my dad and all these guys. And that man was rude to his waitress. He was rude to his wife. He was ugly to his children. It was horrible. And I just couldn't, God, I don't want this without your character. And the character of God, we'll talk about this when we talk about operating in the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit in the church. The character of God always supersedes those gifts, they, they dovetail together so that Jesus is seen, not the flamboyant man, not the preacher, look at me. 
How many know we want Jesus seen? Amen? All right, that's not quite in the notes, but I really want you to understand that, you know? And so when it comes down to this, I want momentum to be marked by our dependence on God through the personal Holy Spirit. And if that's going to happen, we have to have a better understanding of the Holy Spirit. Let's put John 14 up on the screen. And the only way I can do this today is serve up some teaching, and then we're just going to go before the Lord and seek his face. Amen? So when it comes to this passage in John chapter 14, let's look and see what it means when it comes to the idea of salvation, okay? And so it says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Last week, we said this word helper is parakletos. It, it means a comforter or an advocate. For us, just to give you a picture of it, remember I said, don't keep him in the box. Allow God to have his way with you. Allow him to have connection with you. Don't stuff him in here. But in light of this scripture, it says here that he will be what? In you and with you, right? And so when it comes to the words, the Greek prepositions, when it comes to in, it's E-N. And when it comes to with, it's para, okay? Now watch this. Is this blanket in this box? Yeah, that's easy enough. E-N. It is in the box. Deep, pastor. That's deep. Okay, this is a box. This is a blanket. They're together. Would you say they are with each other? Para. So this is both para and in. Isn't that cool? But in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, watch this. There's another preposition we don't want to miss. In a lot of churches that hold to cessationist doctrine, or they say God just doesn't do that stuff anymore, or people just aren't real comfortable with things of the Spirit, and they put the things like that in a box, they're fine with the things that are para and in. They're fine with I get saved and the Holy Spirit lives in me and with me, and he does, amen, but they struggle with this in Acts 1 verse 8. It says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Everybody say upon. Say epi. Watch this. The Holy Spirit, is he in? Is he with? Are you ready for this? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Oh, come on. He'll come upon you. Epi. He'll come upon you. Let me ask you something. Is he in? Is he in? Is he with? Is he upon? This is where it gets good. Say so it gets good here. Can you see the box? That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is all about. It's not to speak a tongue, run the church, scream, shake your hair down, although that's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's that Jesus and only Jesus is seen. He said last week in that John 14 passage that I and the Father are one, and it's important for me to go so I can send this other one that's like us. Remember that last week when we talked about Alos and whatever, about the idea of this another kind that's very much like me, okay? And so this is the thing. It's not about seeing the Holy Spirit. It's about seeing Jesus. He represents Jesus. And if all we see is gifts and we miss Jesus, we miss the whole purpose of coming up on us to be a testimony in Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. But I feel we can be a church that can find the balance, amen, and not be over here and not be over there, and we can have Jesus seen in his power and his presence, amen. 
And so say the word upon. How many wants the Holy Spirit to come upon you today? When you look in Scripture, that can be an initial experience that happens where he comes upon as you seek him. We'll talk about that. But it also can be an ongoing thing. If you're in this room and you say, you know what, I know I had an experience where the power of, the God, of God, the baptism of the Spirit came upon me. I know that. And then there was a time and weakness. I went and sought him again. And man, he filled me afresh and anew. Oh, yeah. It's not because I leak, everybody. Y'all are crackpots and you leak. <laughs> leak, leak, leak. You need a filling and a refilling. And now remember, this isn't about salvation. You're saved. That's settled. That's, we're not talking about that. We're talking, not talking about in not talking about with, talking about upon. Say upon. And he can move upon us that initial time. He can move upon us again and again. And when you look in Acts, you see it. They're troubled and they're persecuted. And they get into a room and they start to pray again. The Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon them again, filling them all again with the power of the Holy Spirit, filling them all again with the touch of God. Amen? And so we see here in Scripture there's a pattern that we can kind of extrapolate, and we're going to do that real quick, okay? Number one is the gift of salvation. We're not seconding the importance of salvation by this. You walk in the power of God does not make you a better, more saved person. Don't act like it, okay? Some Pentecostals I've met have been the most prideful, arrogant people. That is not, I almost, I hate to even call us Pentecostals. People say, are you a Pentecostal church? We're empowered evangelicals. practice that empowered evangelicals do you know who's concerned about that that not the lost they don't care they don't care about our titles they just need to see jesus jesus at times is seen through his power i want to come with the word of god but also the demonstration of his power amen that's what the lost needs sometimes our theological stuff gets a little bit a little heady but here in john chapter 20 this is the evening after jesus raises from the dead This is the evening after they went to the tomb, and now they've come back. And it says here, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, where the disciples were for fear. Say fear. For fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. This is a post-resurrected Jesus. The work of atonement, the work of salvation has happened on the cross already. All right? This is that Jesus. This isn't pre-cross. This is post-cross, resurrected Jesus. And these are his followers. And something powerful is going to happen here because they're about to get saved, everybody. All right? When he said this, he showed them his hands in verse 21. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. But they've been with him for all these. I know that. But he wasn't post-resurrected Jesus. He was every bit 100% man Jesus and 100% divine Jesus. But he didn't have that thing. Remember he said it's expedient that I go, that if I don't go, the Holy Spirit can't come. You know? And so he gives this breath of God. He gives them this touch, you know, of the Holy Spirit. And, and with that, I see that as that first kind of, if you want to look at kind of a path, that's that gift of salvation. You don't earn it. Those disciples are fearful, locked away. Are they even worthy of salvation? Yes, they were, because none of us are, all right? And he gives them that gift of salvation right there in that moment. Now, here's the thing. Well, the reason why I'm giving you this path is I want you to see how this fits in the box of orthodoxy, okay? Christian Orthodox Scripture. I want you to understand that everything we're talking about today fits in there, okay? It may be outside the box for some of your all's experience, but it fits in Scripture. That's why we're defining this and looking at the Word of God, okay? 
The second thing that you see is in Acts 1, 4, and 5, and it's a call to wait. So you have this idea of a salvation experience, and you have this call to wait. While staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. I thought they already got that. Did he just say that 40 days before this, he breathed on them and they received? So now what? What's this promise of the Father? For John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Well, wait a second. I'm waiting on something I thought I already had. No, no, no. He is in you. He is with you. You're waiting for him to come upon you. And I would say this. For some, it happens overnight. Others, it's a long time of process. Don't worry about that. Never seek a sign. Always seek the giver of the gifts. Amen. I will say this as you seek him. For some of you, the ankles are showing of your box. And God starts to show how he covers you and he covers you and co- to where finally he's being seen in your life, you know. I messed my box up. There we go. And so the second thing is that call to wait. The third thing is the divine touch in Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, now this is 10 days after Jesus had told them to go wait. So 10 days later. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them. It wasn't actual fire. It was divided tongues. Why divided? Because everyone can get this gift. The Bible says it's to you and to your children and to those who are afar off. It's for everyone. It divides down. It licks down and touches and touches and touches and and touches. It goes on and says that this... Rest on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The first time I ever read this scripture at Momentum Church, I had pushed the pendulum so far that way that I never spoke about the Holy Spirit. I never spoke about tongues at all, okay? And the day I read that scripture, a guy goes, I'm out of here. Got up and walked out. I took the Bible and I just went... It it said it right there, right? But here's the thing. Can I be honest with you? The focus gets too much on tongues and not enough on empowerment. All right? Don't worry about that part. Worry about submitting your heart to him and being touched by him, the giver of gifts. Amen? Because here's what I see that really gets my excitement when I read this passage. Peter, remember those people that were gathered together praying in that house and they had the door locked for fear of the Jews? Remember that? These same people who received that day the breath of God, these same people, Peter, remember how he had denied Jesus three times before the resurrection? Okay, remember that? Now, this same man, Peter, he stands up. I don't have time to read the whole passage. Go look at it. He stands up and he begins to preach a very strong message against the same people that had crucified Jesus. And he begins to preach a strong message with boldness. You never saw Peter back down ever again. The power of the Holy Spirit brought a boldness to speak For some, in that moment, it'll be a boldness to speak tongues. For others, that may come later, but there'll be a boldness that starts to come over you. And we're going to talk about tongues here in two weeks, which is a really neat thing that God does in our lives, okay? It can be awesome. We want to talk about it. But I want you to see this idea of the Holy Spirit coming upon you and you starting to be a powerhouse for the things of God. You will be a witness to Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. In other words, the power of God will so rest upon you that Jesus can't help but be seen. I love that. 
And so the change in Peter's life from a cowardly denier of Jesus to a courageous declarer of Christ is unmistakable. And you see this pattern of, of salvation, waiting, and the receiving of this gift another time in Acts chapter 8. Let's look there. We can see it unfold in the lives of some early converts. It says, when they be- but when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. These are Samaritans coming to faith in Christ when they believed they were baptized. What is that? salvation okay so these are saved people even simon himself believed after being baptized and he continued with philip and seeing signs and great miracles performed he was amazed it goes on now when the apostles at jerusalem heard that samaria had received the word of god they sent peter and john who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the holy spirit i thought they had already been saved you're right they have been so this is a second work of grace not a saving work an empowering work it's a second touch from god that we can seek and ask God to do and move in our lives. And so they came, it says they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone who I lay hands on can receive the Holy Spirit as well. Simon was a sorcerer. Sorcerers are tied into carnality and the power of flesh. That's who they are. And so, yes, he comes and professes faith in Christ. But when he sees something separate to that salvation work, he wants to offer money for it. I want the ability to lay hands and see that happen. Now, it doesn't say exactly what that was, but it was something physical. They saw something powerful happen in that moment, okay? I'm not going to define what it is because Scripture is not defining what it is. Is that fair? I'm just saying what the Scripture says. But there's something powerful subsequent to salvation that definitely happened here. It was awesome. It happened on the backside of laying on of hands. So surely that must be the box. You get saved, all right? You get baptized. You get a preacher to lay hands on you, and you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's the box. Everybody say, we got the box figured out. That's what it says here. Verse 12, salvation. Verse 14 through 16, they're waiting for the apostles to come. Verse 17, there's that empowerment that happens with laying on of hands. I've got this figured out. I'm not offering money because I'm not a sorcerer, but I got this figured out. Oh, no, watch, Acts 10, Peter preaches in the house of Cornelius. And while Peter was still saying these things, he's preaching the word of God, the Holy Spirit falls on all who heard the word, and the believers from among the circumcised, these Jewish people who had come with Peter, were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they hear them speaking in tongues and extolling God. So not just tongues, but worship of God, this freedom to worship. I feel there's a freedom to worship in this house greater than we've ever seen in the last couple months because the Holy Spirit is moving greater than we've ever seen in this place. He always points to Jesus. Our worship, man, you can't sing. But if Jesus shows up, you'll sing to him, and it'll be beautiful. And we're seeing that in the house. It's so beautiful. You know, it's the power of God as we extol him. Watch this. Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Wait a second. You're getting the box. You're getting it all wrong. They messed it up again. I thought you get saved, then baptized, then this filling of the Holy Spirit. And here we see, nope, nope. They go ahead. They're hearing the word. Whoa, whoa, wait. I'm supposed to lay hands upon you and confer the gift of the Holy Ghost upon you. That, that doesn't happen. Peter is preaching and people start getting touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. And they receive the Holy Spirit with a sign that the Jews are saying, that's what happened to us at the day of Pentecost. 
How can we keep them from getting baptized in water? Well, wait a second. They're not even saved yet because they didn't get baptized. That will step on other toes. We won't go there. Okay? I think you can get the picture. God, you can't put them in a box. Isn't that cool? You know, last Sunday during worship, one of our ladies was worshiping, and the lady beside her was worshiping, and all of a sudden the lady beside her started to speak in tongues. You know, and you'll hear that ever so often, a little smattering, a little quiet, people just hallelujah and just worshiping in tongues a little bit. But she started to, when the service was over, they start talking because they're friends. I didn't know you did that. She said, me neither. <laughs> Not quite like that, but she said, no, no, that's the first time. It's, she was baptized in the Holy Spirit with that, with that touch of God in the worship service before preaching, without hands being laid on her. Why? Because you can't put God, some would say, in a box. And the final one, Acts 19, it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. And there he found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we haven't even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. Well, then in what to what were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who's coming after him. In other words, <coughs> these are people who were hearing the message of repentance from John, but didn't follow the path to Jesus. And when John was beheaded, they went on their way teaching repentance and baptism, but they never walked out into Jesus' message. So they didn't benefit from hearing Jesus say, hey, you know what? Here's the Holy Spirit. Hey, you know what? Go wait. I'm going to touch you with the power of God. They, didn't benefit, they weren't able to benefit from that. And so here in this moment, it says, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and then Paul laid hands on there's that laying on the hands again on them, and the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began to speak in tongues, but they also prophesied. They spoke as under an unction of God, a known language when the Lord touched them. You know your witnessing will be better if you got a touch of the Holy Spirit on it? The word of wisdom and the word of knowledge are powerful, powerful witnessing tools. When the Holy Spirit's moving in you and you can speak to things prophetically in a person's life. Powerful, powerful tools. I had a lady years ago, she came up to me, she said, Pastor Ross, I was preaching downtown. And a whole gathering of people got around me. And when they gathered around me, I started praying in tongues. I just was praying in tongues. And they got scared and ran off. They couldn't handle the truth. I was like, honey, they couldn't handle you. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. You keep your mouth shut on that. And if she would have moved under the unction of God and maybe prophesied to them, spoke something to them in a known language that was God-inspired, man, she may have brought them all to Jesus, you know? We don't brag about the gifts. All we can brag about is the gift. That he might be seen, that he might hide the box of our lives. Let's stand to our feet. <laughs> so this morning, I don't want you to worry so much about signs. This morning, I want you to worry about getting into the presence of God. And we're going to go back into worship. We have plenty of time. These altars are open. First service, people flooded these altars. Flood these altars. There's something about a physical hunger demonstrated by a walking forward that God just gravitates to. I don't know why. He says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. This idea of, of, a, of a, 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 a valve. Imagine a pipe that water is flowing through. And this idea of a valve, that when that valve gets in line with the pipe, it fully flows. How many's ever cracked a valve before? And you just get it started, and you hear, 
That may be all that you experience today is just a little touch of the Holy Spirit as you seek him. All I'm challenging us to do as a church as we go back into worship is put our hands of faith and say, Jesus, I know there's something more for me. I'm cracking that valve open today. For some of you, that valve will go full force and God will move in your life and you'll start to see his power. For others, it may be a season of waiting longer. I don't know why. I'm not gonna jump into that far extreme and say, well, I guess you're just, you're just not you know, anointed enough. No, just like I believe in healing, but I've got a post in the back of my head, right? God, I don't understand why I didn't just get my miracle, but you do things, because I'm not going to govern you in the box. You do things differently. My poor mom, she put 20 candles in my ear trying to suck out whatever's in there, the voodoo magic with, with... <laughs> I'm serious. She's got a candle in my ear and pouring anointing oil down in it, and, and, and I'm like, I'm dying here, mom. <laughs> I've been prayed for by so many people. It didn't come that way. I, God, you're faithful. And so all I'm saying is let's seek him today as we worship. Let's turn that. And, we're, and all what I'm talking about is alignment. Let's align ourselves closer in line with him and let him flow in and through us. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we quiet our hearts before you. And we ask that you would come. You are that baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And so we ask that you would baptize us today fresh and anew, that, Lord, you would be in us and with us, but today we invite you to be upon us. Man, let's seek God at these altars. Come on, people. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.